0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Allis, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the legend, Teddy Allis. Teddy, how you doing?
1: Good. I I am um, hat in hand. <laughs> I am coming here to make my heartfelt apologies for insulting the greatest of all time, Peppermint. Uh, Canelo any way you call it it's he's just start with a G in front greatest of all time I just come here you know very subdued um again uh, very apologetic uh tail between my legs that this great great fight was not recognized by me and that I could say such hard harsh things to insult him and his, his great fan base that he was anything less than the greatest Mexican fighter. And matter of fact, don't stop there. The greatest fighter of all time. How, how could I be so blind? I, I just <laughs> asked for forgiveness. I, I hope this helps a little bit in the background. I hope that it's emotional. Um, I hope that it expresses my feelings. You can see in the background, the balloons. Oh, boy, you're so good. It's fun to be number one. Congrats. You truly are amazing. And uh, please understand That everyone has a weak moment, a poor moment, where I could make such a mistake. How could I not? How could I not recognize this greatness when, even though the top fighters that you fought, Mayweather, Bevo, Golovkin, two robberies, but uh, Lara, uh, they were the best fighters you fought. Usually that means something, but no, that doesn't mean nothing. you lost to them. And the Mexican fans are right. There are 12 other great Mexican champions with much better resumes, but Chavez, Salvador Sanchez, Olivares, Zarate, Marquez, Barrera, they, they are but they don't cast his shadow on cinnamon. They don't, they don't block out his shine. The brightness of what he, of what he is. No. No more than they block out the brightness of their loyalty. And their craziness. I mean, their passion f- for him. Yes, he got caught using PEDs. So what? That, that's not his fault. That's, that's the farmer's fault. That's the cow's fault. They shouldn't have been eating PEDs or anything that could lead towards that. They shouldn't be. It's wrong. And whoever makes those burgers over there, they should straighten themselves out. They should be sorry that he has this blight on his record. But it's not a blight on his record. We forget about that. We forgive. (laughs) We forgive the greats. In Major League Baseball, none of the Steroid abusers are in Hall of Fame. Rafael Pomero, damn good player. Sosa, Barnes, McGuire, Clemens. <laughs> some great players, great accomplishments, but are not eligible to be candidates in the Hall of Fame. But in boxing, we forgive. We forgive. We don't even forgive. We don't even worry. We, we don't even worry about such trivial matters. Even though you could punch somebody in the head with an advantage that maybe, maybe could send them into oblivion. But we don't, we don't register that with our greats. So again, please let me, I mean I have crowns here. I have crowns, one for the greatest Mexican, one for the greatest fighter of all time. You wear two crowns. I don't wear them. I just show you, 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 you wear them. No! I don't mean anything that I just said. (laughs) No! (laughs) No! no. I take it all, I don't mean any of it! None of it! You remember that show, Ken, years ago? It was a great show with the Wayman Brothers. It was creative, it was fun. It's where they had the different characters in the, in Living Color, that show they had, and they oh, yeah. had a character. I loved them. Homie. They had a character. What was his name? Homie something. Homie the Clown. Homie the Clown. And he had a baseball bat. It was a soft one. And, and he, mine's a little harder. I have to admit, but he had a soft one. And when people used to say ridiculous things and used to, Go up against him and and try to make him try to make right wrong, try to make him give in a little bit to certain things that homie had a standard, homie had a belief, homie had courage. What would he do when they tried to, to break him, to give in to popular demand? What'd he say? He took the bat, he cracked him over the head, he said, Homie, don't play that. Homie, don't play that. Teddy, don't play that. Teddy don't play that! No. No! I am not backing up. No. Why? Just because he just beat a man he looked better than he has. And he did! Better than he has. More energized. More aggressive. More alive. He beat a, a man who was inactive for a year and a half. Or just about. A man who was two weight classes too small! No, no, and and you can see Canelo's dense muscle, dense muscle. Ah, how how we need those burkas, how we crave <laughs> for those burkas, how those burkas bring us what we need. Yes, that muscle tone, that density, all of it. Yes, he was aggressive. Yes, he dominated dominated a man too small, a man too intimidated, a man too concentrated on, and, and, I, and, and a man who, who showed heart, showed plenty of heart, showed plenty of heart, that, that man who's Charlo, but he wasn't prepared against this big man to fight a fight to win. He fought a fight to survive. And he did. And thankfully, because what really survives now is the legend. The legend. And it doesn't matter that Canelo didn't meet him at an in-between point like the old-timers would do, at a catch rate. No! You must come up must come up to the king's you must come up to the king's weight even though you have to go up to weight classes you must go up to his
0: weight class if you want to get paid
1: Hello! if you want to get paid so no get these out of here get them out of here get out of here Get these out of here. See if you can get a refund on those at Party City. If you can, that's not on audio, is it? See if you get a, a possibly a, a, some kind of refund. And the crowns, See who's um, what grandkids have a party coming up. Thank you. <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Okay, let's get to the show now, my brother.
0: <laughs> let's get into the actual fight. I thought that Crawford summed it up pretty well when he said, uh, Charlo's not on my hit list anymore. What he did tonight was just uh, lay down for Canelo and get run over, basically. And I was, as I was watching, I was wondering if you thought that it was more, the fight was more of a result of Canelo just being so much better than Charlo, or if Charlo or a combination of that plus Charlo just se- it seemed to, to your point, not even try. I mean, it looked like he never tried to win, actually, that he was trying to survive. I think he hinted at that at the press conference, that he was proud that he survived. But I thought Crawford's summation was perfect. I mean, it looked to me like he was laying down. I don't like to be so critical of such a good fighter, but it just it didn't look like he wanted to win. Well,
1: oh, when you're inactive for a year and a half, it hurts your chances. Your chances to be in the right mental space to begin with. Confidence and belief in yourself. So a year and a half inactivity don't help.
0: You could take a guy like Mickey Ward, who's been out for 10 years, and he'd get in there. You'd know he'd want to yeah. win. Does well, he either win or get well, sh- I mean, smashed?
1: It is about choices. You're making a choice, you know. Why'd he take the fight? Why did he not demand? I'm not saying he wouldn't get it, he would get it. But why not demand him come down to 160? And then he could move up from one fifty four, right? From fifty-four, whatever his weight is, and meet him at one sixty, was it fifty-four, fifty-six, whatever. Uh he could yeah. meet him at one sixty. Why wouldn't he demand that, give himself more confidence, a better chance to win? Like I said, he probably wouldn't get it, but he made a choice to get paid. I'm I'm not saying he didn't try the best he could try in the state of mind he was in. What I am saying is he was not in a state of mind. Once he made that decision to go along with the demands of the golden man, the man who craps out golden eggs for pay-per-view, for boxing, for WBC, WBA, whoever, who brings the sanctioning fees, who brings all the, uh, De Niro. Once De Niro. once, once he made a choice It's all about choices in life. We all make choices, and they impact us one way or another. Once Charlo made a choice, yes, I'll come up to a weight class that really I can't compete at, not with a good fighter. And he's a very good fighter, Canelo. But once he made that choice, then he has chosen to get paid over winning. And once you go down that road, you know, it's a slippery slope. Once you start going down that road, there's a lot of, you know, shortcuts in that road. There's a lot of turnoff places in that road that you can turn off. Some of those places you can turn off to the side is like, you know, making concessions. Concessions in, you know, is it more important to survive or more important to win? And we're human. Were you? We all hope we would make better choices in those conditions, but we're not all in there with a guy that big, that strong, with those advantages over us at that moment that those decisions come up. So like I said, I think he started to make his decision ahead of time by not demanding that he try to demand he get a catchweight fight rather than completely submit to the wishes of the guy who controls the money. That's Canelo. And go up and wait. And and one other thing. I, I just think that. I want to say this clear. With all the fooling around and stuff. I think Canelo's a really good solid fighter. I think he's a good solid I think he improved over the years. Even more than Golovkin improved over the years. Go, Golovkin was a heck of a middleweight. Who beat a lot of guys that were smaller. When he was fighting on HBO. You know, making his bones, making a lot of money. I love Golovkin, but just so the people out there, though, oh, it's a it's a bias against Megan. Hey, grow up, idiots! Grow up, <laughs> morons! Dodo birds! What what it was was like like I said, well, Golovkin, he fought a lot of junior middleweight from Europe who had already lost at the top level, and he beat them. And and look, they was good enough, solid enough guy, but they were junior middles that were getting a little older, that already had lost to the next level, and he built up a big resume with those guys. Now, when he fought the middleweights, you know, later in his career, Jacobs and, you know, other guys, it was a little tougher, and and he's got all the good wins on his record, uh, Golovkin, but he kept winning because he had a lot of amateur, he was a silver medalist, from the Olympics. He had a lot of amateur experience and confidence with that. And he was a good puncher and very good shin, like Canelo, and very tough, like Canelo, and very aggressive, like Canelo can be. And he won on that. I saw Canelo actually make progression, where he started improving in in those areas over the years after he got whitewashed by Mayweather, except for that crooked judge that should have went to jail. And, you know, and uh, no, doesn't belong in a sport where fighters put it all on a line. She doesn't belong there. Um, But I thought he improved. I thought Canelo more so than even Triple G. He just, he kept getting better. And I give him, him and his team credit. He became a better counterpuncher. He used his jab better. His defense got, a, a, got better. You know, um, I, I, I give him credit for that. Like I said, I, I think Canelo is a really good, really good during his time. And you can only beat the guys during your time. He is a really good, good fighter. Where I have a problem is he's not the greatest Mexican fighter from a country that has great history in fighting and has great, 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 great Mexican champions and world champions that have greater resumes, that fought, just fought greater competition. And it's not his fault. He could only fight and beat the guys he was around, but he lost to some of the best guys. These guys beat the best guys. They lost, everyone loses, but they beat the best guys too. Guys like Jafez and Salvador Sanchez and and Ruben Oliveira. So I'm just saying that I'm not disrespecting Canelo and saying that he's not a real good fighter. Tremendous. I'm saying he's not what the fanatical fans make of him, what some of the pundits and writers make them because they want to make them that during their time. So they can point and say, this great, great fighter was around during my time. Because Sugar Ray Robinson wasn't around during their time. Ruben Olivares wasn't around during their time. <laughs> you know, uh, Henry Armstrong wasn't around during their time. So they can point and say, I was around when the greatest was around. And I'm here to point out all of it. It's only my judgment. I get it. But it is my judgment. I have the guts to say it. No matter how people come after me for it. But don't say, say what you want. Say I'm a moron. Say I'm wrong. Say you disagree. But don't say I'm biased. Don't say that. Please. Because then I'd have to be biased against Chavez. And Salvador Chavez. And I think they're the, some of the greatest fighters. So how you can't have it both ways, guys. And the last thing I'll say is, these pundits, these writers, they're not honest. Some of them. Some are. Some like Kevin Ioli, but there's other guys that they're just not. And they want to spark it up. They want to, like my son says, they want to get clickbait for their article, for their, for their, you know, whatever they have going, their channel, their webpage, whatever it is. They want to get, they want to get more. They want to make it juicier. They want to get more hits so when a pundit or a writer whoever he was goes up and it's a thing going all over the place a clip and he goes up and he says to Canelo before his fight with Charlo day before whatever when he's in a certain space of mind it just wasn't right he goes up to him and says what do you think about Teddy Atlas saying that you are the most overrated Mexican fighter of all time of all time in what? the history, in our history, of all time, you are the who most overrated. Who, who, who said some, that? Who said I didn't see that? I wouldn't even give him the. I wouldn't even give him the benefit of saying his name because you know why he don't yeah, deserve it. You've
0: never it. said that. You've never said that. That's right, At least, Ted. at least, at least, give a freaking accurate. But that's quote. the point. You've never said that he's the most overrated. No, all I
1: said. What I. I'm not backing down. I'm a homie. Don't play that. Teddy, don't play that. <laughs> I don't back down. But what I am saying is, get it right. Be honest. Get, and what I'm saying is I don't even know the guy's name because I wouldn't even take the time to find out because he's not worthy of my time. What I am saying, I know what he's doing. He's doing what my son tells me. He's getting clickbait. He juiced it up. He lied. He fabricated. He added to it. What I said, if you're going to be accurate, be accurate. You want to quote me, quote me accurately. You're freaking, you, you, you're too set. Uh, whatever you are, uh, quote, me, quote me accurately. I wouldn't read a freaking bazooka bubblegum f- thing f- uh, from you. If you gave me a bazooka bubblegum thing from the rapper, I wouldn't even read that. I would be afraid that you fraudulated it. I, you, say it accurately. What I accurately said was that Canelo, really good fighter, but he's When you start saying that he's the greatest Mexican of all time in a country that had a history, a legacy, of great, great fighters that have fought. It's not his fault. They fought greater fighters because they were around during that time. You disrespect them. You disrespect the truth of the sport when you go and say he's the greatest of all time. All I'm saying is he's overrated in that context. In that context, he is overrated. He is a really good fighter, but he is not greater than those fighters that I said. And then some of them are calling him the greatest fighter, period. So he's greater than Sugar Ray Robinson, who had 200 and whatever, 200 fights, whatever he had. And and, I mean, he's, he's greater than him. He's, I mean, Robinson, I think, had 120 fights with only one loss. I think his first loss was Jake Lomato, who he came back and beat five more times. And Jake Lomato was a great fighter. I think Jake Lamoto beat him when he was about 50 and old, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And then he went on a string of another 50 wins before he lost again against great fighters back then, great fighters. So all I'm saying is, if you're going to quote me, try to be honest. But you can't be honest, can you? Because you get you get carried away with wanting to get more attention. And and you went up to Canelo and Canelo, I don't blame him. I really don't. I don't hold no angst against him. I don't blame him. I, I think sometimes, you know, he could check with someone and say, did he how did he really say that? Did he really I, I would think that he maybe could do that, but hey, I'd get mad too. If a guy came up to me and just said that way, that Teddy Atlas said that uh, you were the most overrated Mexican fighter ever. No. But again, he was looking to get a reaction that, that he would get, that he would be part of, that would serve him. He wanted, And the only way he could get that kind of reaction was to fabricate, was to, to add a lie to a quote. That was not that quote, but at the end of the day, that's where it comes from. He's overrated in that context, and and now you're going to say, oh, for this win, you're going to say that, oh, yeah, now, uh, you know, we, we we better create a new Hall of Fame. We better start building. We, we better start getting cinder blocks, and, well, cinder blocks, you have to get marble if you're going to. Build a hall of fame for him, it's gotta be marble. It can't be made in cinder blocks. That would be beneath his greatness. So look, I, I made I, I we have a little fun with it. I I take the the I take the the attacks that but that's your that's that's fine, that's your prerogative. That's your that's your right. But don't say I'm biased. And don't don't change my words. Use them properly.
0: Before we get into the fight, did you um, notice the body language of Charlo? I thought Charlo was going to do really good. I thought he had a chance to win. But from the minute I saw the, the early weigh-ins, the early press conference, I thought Charlo's body language looked terrible. During the face off he had his hands behind his back. Canelo takes off his glasses. Charlo takes off his glasses. It was like he was taking his cues from the champ. And it really looked, I just thought he didn't look confident. He was always looking away for us. Canelo just seemed to be the boss in there in every interaction they had, carrying over into the fight.
1: Yeah, well, I, I tweeted that all night. He was the boss. And look, he was. And all of that's accurate. And it's easy for us to point it out because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. 20 You know, so, yeah. In hindsight, we look at it, we could say, oh, wow. Uh, His body language was weak. It was poor. He was sending a message. We should have saw it, or we did see it. But it was too late, you know, to say anything about it because it was just at the last minute, whatever. Afterwards, it's easy to say that. Look, nothing looked good. Nothing really looked great. But again, I'm not going to go the easy road and say, oh yeah, his body language looked weak because it's obvious that there was a lot of things that weren't strong. About that effort the the bottom line the bottom line is that i I picked Canelo to win, but I said it was going to be competitive, very competitive, very competitive. so I, I want that out there, as I just said what I said about everything. I, I want f- full transparency all the time. when I'm right, I want full transparent when I'm wrong, I want it. I said it was going to be a competitive fight. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. It was everything except a competitive fight. At the end of the day, he was too big, Canelo, too strong, too determined, too aggressive for, for Charlo. Um, there were spots where Charlo tried to do some, but even then, the punches was more like don't hit me punches that I talk about. You know, Ken, it was more like it was punches to keep the guy off rather than to do damage. Canelo's punches were to do damage, as all fighters should be when you're in that ring. But the punches of Charlo were more to keep him off, to keep him from doing more damage, to exist to live, to survive. And it was evident if you knew what you were watching. You know, it was, I mean, his punches, even when he had a good fifth round, he had a decent eighth and ninth round a little bit, And but even then, the punches had the impact of a mosquito at a barbecue, the, where they were more pesky <laughs> than they were damaging. and And... You know, and again, I'm not not knocking Charlo. I'm just doing what I do. I'm pointing out what I saw in the way that I saw it. And I'm x-raying it with my experience in a way that I think can be answers for some of the questions. So... Canelo used a nice hard jab, um, accurate hard jab uh you know to to keep to make sure that he kept charlo defensive made it hard to pot shot him um he you know he he did the right things he went to the body of the smaller man the right thing to do he applied pressure he cut the ring down well when he tried to use his legs charlo he you know he um he did all the things that a really good fighter should do. And he intimidated Charlie. He put the pressure on. He, right from the beginning, showed him who was the boss, as we said a minute ago. And, you know, looked revigorated. He looked like he had something to prove again. Yeah, forget about the physical part, that he looked recharged, he looked better. They talk about surgery on his hand, he was better, all that stuff. Okay, whatever. He looked energized. And that's not because of any surgery on his left hand. He looked energized overall. He looked like he had, you know, sometimes I said that maybe he's made too much money. And, and he's, just, he's just going through the motions. He wasn't going through the motions. He was fighting a guy that was trying to get somewhere, trying to prove something. Like a guy in his in tent fight that wants to get to the real money. He wants to get to the top of the mountain. He hasn't been there. He fought that way. He fought like a guy, you know, possessed in a way that, again, I think he wanted to prove something. He heard the naysayers. He heard me. He heard a, a lot of naysayers saying he was shot, not shot, but slipping and all those things. And he, he, he got energized by that. He got impacted by that. And that's good. It shows you that he still cares. It shows you that, yeah, even if he's made a lot of money, when push comes to shove, he's got pride. And he wants to show that pride. That pride shows itself in the way he reacts when he hears people saying that he's no good anymore. Again, he had something to prove that he hasn't had for a while. Now a lot of people say, well, Teddy, why didn't he prove it against, uh, you know, bivo Well... I think some of his shortcomings came up there. Bevo's a really dimensional good fight. He's bigger, but I think it was more that how good Bevo is in so many areas. Did he underestimate Bevo? Maybe. But it takes nothing away from the fact that Bevo was a better fighter. And that Bevo, you know, exposed him on that particular night. Now, here's the fair point here, people. Did he just expose Charlo, where Charlo didn't have the ability Bevo has or the confidence to expose him, and does he now get away with a free pass because we're saying he's great again off of this win? What does the win really represent? (laughs) Did he beat a guy that was intimidated, a guy that was two weight classes, two too small, guy that was inactive for a year and a half, yeah, he ain't beat a good solid fighter. But, I want to see him. I don't want to see this no more. I've said it before. And I say it with other fighters. Not just with him. I, w- I want to see him with Benavidez. I want to see him, you want to go back with Bevo? Go ahead. Or you want to, you want to go with better Beef? whatever. Or you want to, even go with that kid uh, Morel that's 9-0 from Cuba that was an Olympian. He's only got nine fights. He had a lot of amateur fights. He looks like a prodigy. Um, they're all talking him up. Is that his name, David Morel? I believe that's mm-hmm. his name. Um, he's, yep. I think he's I think he's 9-0. Fight him. Fight him. Teddy Atlas will be the first one that would be there saying, okay, alright. But don't use this. Don't wrap this, you know, around your neck, you know, um, the way that in over in Europe they in France they wrap the, you know the the, the thing of flowers, the the, the horseshoe of uh, all kinds of nice flowers around your neck, right? A triumph, nice. you know, uh, when when you do something, uh, you win a race or whatever the heck they're doing over there. Uh, no. Uh, not, not for this, not, not for this, and not here. Homie don't play that. Not here. We, we want to, we want to see it for what it is, and we will see it for what it is. And again, great performance by Canelo. Did what you had to do. Came in shape, strong as hell. Was there any testing in there? I don't know. I don't think there was testing. Vado, any of these people that. Half the time they don't test properly anyway, but at least there's something did 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 anyone do any testing because he looked awful strong. I'm not saying I don't know, I'm not saying that he was dirty, but did he do any testing? I don't know, but look he he was revigorated he was he, he had a mission, yeah, he was on a mission, and um you know, he he dropped him in one round. Wasn't even a clean punch. It ricocheted off the glove. Still dropped him. That's how much stronger he was than Charlo, who, who has always shown a good shin so far. Uh, you know, he... He fought a... He fought a good fight. You know, Charlo... Charlo couldn't penetrate, you know... Uh, couldn't penetrate his defense much. Like I said the few times that he even really attempted to throw anything meaningful uh, you know uh, other than don't hit me punches uh, he you know, he just wasn't able to get through. Good, solid defense, you know uh, hands up real well but He was fighting a guy who was, you know, backing up and kind of like, again, throwing things with hope that they would slow the guy down instead of with belief, instead of with conviction. You know, he was, you almost got the feeling like, you know, when you see those pictures on TV and movies where, you know, there's a, a car coming or a tank coming. Those those war movies where there's an armored vehicle coming, and you know they're throwing they they're throwing rocks and and stuff at the armored truck coming. Mol- Molotov cocktails. They're throwing all that and as they as they're running back right, and they're throwing. But those things are bouncing off the truck like they know that. That's why they're running backwards. They ain't throwing them and staying there because they know they're not penetrating the armor. So they're throwing them and they're taking off. Well, it's kind of looked that way. He's throwing these punches and he was taking off because he knew they they weren't going to penetrate. He knew they weren't going to slow down, you know, this armored vehicle that was coming at him. Might as well have been. Might as well have been. So I felt, and I posted this, tweeted it with my guys and they're the best there is that I've said it before, I've described it in the past That, and I think it's the fairest way to describe this fight, Ken there was a dog fighting a cat and while the cat obviously Charlo scratched and clawed in spots and was a gutsy cat the dog was the, it was the bigger stronger dog canelo that was looking to eat the cat and and make a fur ball out of him and at the end of the day it was it was a what it was just what i say what i used to say on espn what i say here that i say on pro box now that i'm working there <laughs> it was it was a big dog fighting a cat and and at the end of the day the dog is going to is going to win. He gets scratched up a little. The only thing, this this dog didn't even get scratched up really. But, you know, they get scratched up, but at the end of the day, you ain't betting on a cat. Not, not unless it's, you know, one of those big, big cats. I think they call them tigers. <laughs> but the funny part about it, their nickname is Lions. That's the funny thing. I didn't even mean to go down this road, Ken. But, the Charlos, the I'm, I'm, I'm using the analogy cat, which I think is right. I didn't even realize where I was taking myself. They call themselves lions. I don't know. It wasn't a lion in there. Uh, uh, that uh, I'm not knocking his courage. He showed courage. Um, but it definitely wasn't a lion. And, and if it was a lion, well, he was in there, I guess, with a rhinoceros. Because the rhinoceros, you know, was just, had the armor had the horn had to had the straight ahead and he wasn't scratching through that rhinoceros um so he did what he was supposed to do uh you know he did what he was supposed to do right from the beginning it was apparent I tweeted I tweeted right at the beginning you you could just see the energy of each fighter. You know, who was going to be the boss. And it was apparent immediately that Canelo was going to control and probably dominate the fight. And um, I tweeted that. My exact tweet was, Charlo will not win or even possibly last this way. He's too tentative, too small, and it showed itself. Not only physically, but mentally, as Canelo was the bigger man in every way. Every way. Confidence. Everything. It showed. He was in charge. He was the boss. And the dilemma, as I also tweeted, quite frankly, was that Charlo needed to move defensively to survive. But he also needed to find a way to win. And that would take taking chances. And that would endanger him surviving. See, that was the dilemma. That was the dilemma. And like I said, fifth round, uh, he had a decent round. uh, Okay round in the eighth and ninth. But, you know, again, he was throwing defensive-oriented punches designed to keep Canelo away rather than to really, you know, really do what they had to do, which was slow him down and hurt him. Um and you you're not gonna you're not gonna win against too many people that way, especially a fighter like this so like i said i don't I don't want to see these fights anymore end of the day, canelo looked better like I said, I give him all the credit uh you know he looked like a guy who who knew he needed to look better. And also knew that this opponent couldn't do anything to hold him off or hurt him. But, and this, I'll leave you with this. Like the Mike Tyson with Michael Spinks, when Tyson was really at his best. um, He, Tyson in that fight, had no respect for Spinks. Didn't believe Spinks could hurt him. Could do anything to slow him down. Was too small for him. He had moved up from light heavyweight. He almost had disdain for him. And I, I saw similarities in that. I know he didn't destroy him in 90 seconds. Um, but I still saw similarities in with the Mike Tyson Spinks fight and Canelo and Charlo. Where he fought... The same way, where Charlo fought, went in there almost paralyzed to a certain extent by what was in front of him, the, the mission in front of him, the enormity of it, um, the difficulty of it, the power, the strength of it. Uh, and, and Spinks definitely was paralyzed by that or, or affected by that or, or just, yeah, affected. Compacted, impacted by that, and and I saw those similarities, where you know, he he had Canelo had no basic respect for anything about Charlo, the same way as Tyson had none for Spinks. Um, that's I think that's a fair summary of everything, I really do, Ken. Um, the the one thing I want to ask you something about. Did you, what's the story with, I, I know his nickname is, I don't know, uh, I don't know, King Rye, whatever. But uh, what's the story with Ryan Garcia? Did you see him there? With Look, I like Ryan Garcia. He's a nice kid. Um, and, I, and he's been on our show a couple times. And he's talked to me a few times, asking me different opinions on things. Excuse me. We have a saying and I think it's an I was saying. Excuse me. When you sneeze, it means it's the truth. So definitely the truth. Um, God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. I'm just saying, I like Ryan Garcia. He's been, you know, ever since he got stopped by, by Tank, he, you know, he, he hasn't been around. I, they just announced, actually, the old lawyer, just announced that he's going to be fighting... Uh, in December, his first fight back against a guy named Duarte—I believe that's it, off the top of my head—Duarte, who's got a, you know, a decent record, 26-1-1, something like that. Uh, the record means nothing; it's been padded with a lot of soft opposition, which you would expect. But well, not knock—I'm not knocking him. You expect him to come back careful. You expect him after being knocked out. Come back, careful. But he's fighting a guy, I think, 26 one one Duarte, whatever. And um, I think it's in December. Uh, it's just getting announced today, I believe. So we try to put everything out there. But I saw... You saw him. You couldn't help but see him. He was lined right up with the camera. Every time they were showing the ring and a fight, you saw him in the back wearing sunglasses indoors. Okay, that I guess that's the look, right? Whatever. Um, but... And he's a kid, he's still a kid, but what is the thing with this, there was a change in him. Did you notice him there, number one, and number two, did you notice that he, it was hard not to notice him with the sunglasses, but that he had a single lock of hair hanging down on his forehead, uh, it reminded me of, really, who who was a really a great fighter he doesn't get enough credit but it reminded me and a trouble fighter unfortunately who had demons and god bless god bless his soul god rest his soul uh he got taken from us uh obviously much earlier than than anyone should be taken in this world in in an unnatural way but it, it reminded me of macho camacho hector macho camacho with that signature curl that camacho used to have Hanging down his forehead. That was, that was Macho Man's, uh, you know, that was his mark. That was his signature thing. Uh, besides his great, 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 great hand speed and great chin. You wouldn't think a guy with the nickname Macho would have a great chin. But he had a great chin. Um, and like I said, he was a troubled kid. Unfortunately, it led to his demise where he wound up getting killed uh, in a car got shot in a car with somebody else in Puerto Rico. They did a documentary on him. and um, But that was the first thing I thought. Like, what is this lock of hair hanging down here on, you know, Ryan Garcia's forehead that I never saw before? You want to take a shot at that at all, Ken? Uh, trying to guess or did you see it? Did you notice it?
0: Yeah, I saw it. I thought it was interesting, too, that he had such a prominent seat at a Canelo fight. I didn't think That's they were true. on the best of the terms. That's true. So I thought it was interesting that he had, like, what I would consider to be one of the primo seats at that fight. But who knows? Maybe they made amends. But that seat, those tickets aren't available to anyone so that isn't an affiliated with the promoter, as you can imagine. Well, with regards to Ryan and his looks, I think Ryan is... Uh, you know, a big marketing guy. And I know he's like done a bunch of different super high end fashion shows. And I think that that's, he's also like in a different stratosphere in terms of marketing himself in social media. Like he's got multiple careers and probably makes more money from his career as a social media star than boxing. Although I think he's an unbelievable boxer. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe the loss got to him in a way. I know he struggled with some mental health stuff, not to suggest that he's having mental health issues at, by any means, but he's just—I think—he's always been a little bit different.
1: Trying to find himself—is that fair? So I'm trying to find himself. Yeah. You know, we at uh, different points we try to find ourselves. So maybe he's trying to find. But I think you make a good point that he has something that not everyone has. He has the ability to bring in revenue from social media because he's got, what, 9 million followers, whatever it is, somewhere in that neighborhood. So he's got the ability. Why not Why not be smart? And why not, you know, take advantage of that? Why Why not, you know, work that? And, and so if you're working that, you're a good-looking kid, you're a young kid, uh, you know, the girls go crazy over you. Similar to his promoter when he was young lawyer the girls went nuts he was like a matinee idol there was, nobody had seen that, something like that for for years and um so why not play that and take advantage of that to to the utmost uh, like you t- touched on and maybe that's part of it that if you're gonna be this 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 matinee idol if you will for lack of a better term where the girls are going gaga over you. Come up with something to make it a little more Gaga, you know? And, uh, you know, next thing you know, he'll be going out with Gaga. Gaga going out with anyone? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was waiting for him to do this, Ken. Look.
0: <laughs> reminds that hairdo always reminds me of the bad guy from Greece. Remember the, um, I forget what the bad guy gang was called, but the. Um, oh, yeah. Kaniki.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was just, she was a beautiful girl too. That Olivia Newton John and great singer yeah. and and John Travolta. Um, what a what a dancer he was, huh? Boy, he could yeah. dance. I mean, not. I mean, you're you're in his level of, of his his level <laughs> the, of dance. I'm the
0: worst dancer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you could cut that rug up, but
0: um. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'd be out there. I'd be out there doing dances on TikTok and becoming rich. Yeah. I can't dance. Uh,
1: but anyway, I think we covered this like a blanket.
0: Yeah, let's jump into the uh, let's jump into the prelims. Let's start with uh, <clears throat> start with um, controversial one. Uh, Erickson Lubin gets a controversial decision over Jose Ramos Jr. Uh, the judges had this like a one-sided beatdown for, um, for Lubin. Well, one 115, one 113, 16, 12, and 17, 11. I mean, I thought that I wasn't scoring it, but I thought Ramos won by a couple rounds. But, I mean, it, it, by the way, not the best fight I've ever seen. It was uh, a bit of a snooze fest, in my opinion. But how'd you like that one? And what'd you think of the decision?
1: Well... I thought it was a terrible decision, but I thought if it's possible, I thought, even though I thought he lost, I thought that Lubin fought a good fight, the best I'd seen him in a long time. I thought him and his trainer came there really with a good fight plan, the right fight plan to give them the best chance to win. It did. Like I said, it as strange as it sounds, I thought he lost, but like he fought a good good fight, prepared to fight the right fight, I thought, um, which was to use the jab, to give angles, to look for pot shot opportunities, get, get off, slide to the side, be able to set up counters once in a while, they were both southpaws, it was interesting, uh, the first thing that struck me was how much bigger Ramos looked, he was so much bigger, I thought he was a different weight class. Like they should go reweigh them, his back his shoulders I mean he was gargantuan compared to Lupin he made Lupin look small, so that was number one and as I said th- it struck me that he had the right fight plan his his trainer had him ready he was in great shape and he didn't get discouraged with the bigger man always pressing him um you know again his 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 plan was to box on the outside, turn him, keep him off balance, use the jab, and he did that, but I thought the first eight rounds he was losing almost every round, Um, because Ramos was doing what he needed to do the first half of the fight, at least, where he was using his long jab to close the gap, to control, to try to keep Lubin from you know, control on the outside, stabilize them. It's the right thing to do, even though you're bigger. The wrong thing to do is just walk in and try to land power shots. No. You got to get there the right way. You got to neutralize the smaller guy the right way by using your jab on the outside, uh, control him, give him something to worry about, make it safer to get in. And Ramos did that. He got in. He got close. He pinned him on the ropes. He went to the body of the smaller man. Uh, then he went and landed nice uppercuts, a la Mike Tyson used to do a little bit—body and then uppercut. Uh, I'll be honest. There, there was spots where it looked like if Ramos kept doing that, he was he was going to break Lupin, or he had a chance to break Lupin. That that he might. Somehow, he might get a stoppage if, if he could keep increasing it and doing what he was doing at an increased level every round. But then suddenly, late in the fight, he stops doing it. I don't know if it was because the corner told him you're way ahead and play it safe, don't get reckless, which they did tell him. Um, it looked like an NFL football team that was winning the game and then suddenly the coach thinks it's a good idea to go into prevent defense. And now, my son always talks about the, the scout from the NFL, my son, Teddy. He, now, a team that couldn't move 20 yards down the field is moving 30-yard clips down the field where they couldn't do it before. Because now you're backing off. Now you're not playing them as tough. Now you're not doing the things you were doing that restricted them coming downfield. That's what Ramos in some ways started doing. Ramos. He, he went into the pre fend if you will, defense. All of a sudden, Lubin was able to score more with the jab. Things that kept him defensive weren't keeping him defensive anymore. He was able to do a little more. He was able to move down the field. He never got into the end zone, but I guess he did. Because he got the victory. And I was I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I was perturbed when it was happening for Ramos. Even though you, you root for an underdog like Luba. I was happy he was a big underdog. <laughs> but I was perturbed by the fact that Ramos would let up that way. And you know what it reminded me of? I told you that the Charlo-Canelo fight reminded me a little bit of the way that Charler was, you know, intimidated and dominated physically and mentally. Reminded me a little bit of Spinks and Tyson, right? This mm-hmm. reminded me of De La Jolla Trinidad, Ken, where yep. De La Jolla was way ahead in everyone's estimation, way ahead, winning a fight easily, and on his way to victory, or fairly easily, on his way to victory... And all of a sudden, he decides it's a good idea to, to take off the last three rounds and just move around and go defensive. Yep. Almost yep. run. Some people would say run. And, and just move around, go defensive. He, he gave away the last three rounds. He gave away the fight. He gave, yep. and, and a lot of people thought that De La Hoya still won the fight. I put it best for me when, when writers asked me back then, what do you think? Technically, I think he still won the fight, but I think he lost the right to complain about losing the fight. That's right. By the way that he acted and behaved at the end. And maybe that's the best way to put this. That Ramos, who didn't complain, by the way, I thought he was going to be much more upset. He didn't complain. He didn't make a big deal about it. Um, You know, and at the end of the day, I felt the same. Like, I thought Ramos won, but maybe he lost the right to complain by what he did the last you know several rounds so I, I i was perplexed i i really was by going from where he's dominating the fight i thought I had a chance to like i said really really stay on this guy keep banging to the body um you know coming behind the jab so you don't get picked off coming in i thought ramos had a chance to you know i said it break him down, but he didn't give credit to Lubin's heart determination, his corner uh, his preparation his belief in himself because this was a crossroads fight, Lubin's been knocked out a few times, he's got several losses this was a crossroads fight for him he doesn't win this fight his career's done, basically his career's done And, and now he gets, now he gets a now he gets another shot. Now he gets, you know, and and maybe he's a different fighter now. He he looked like he might be a little a little different. He looked more versatile, less one dimensional. I think the trainer with him is doing a good job. Um. But that. Try to see if there's any notes here to remind me of something I want to say, uh, and, and not forget. But I think that covers it all.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. In the other uh, prelim Mario Barros drops you uh Ugas U- U- twice, wins the unanimous decision. This was pretty one-sided he banged up um Ugas's right eye again really bad. Look like it might be I-, I don't know if it was if it was a broken orbital or not, but it certainly looked to be jammed up again. I know it was broken before. But completely one-sided. Uh, looks like probably the end of the road for Ugas. What would you think?
1: Yeah, Ken, good description, good breakdown from you. You hope somebody's looking out for these guys that they don't continue to take punishment when it looks like there's not a lot more punishment they can take. Um, I always say, you don't judge a fighter's age, Ken, chronologically. You judge it by the amount of punches, how long they've been around, how much wear and tear is on them. Uga is 37, but he's older. He's older. Where he was a bronze medalist in the Olympics. He's been around. Who knows if that age is even right? He, he, you know, like a lot of the great Cubans. uh, And there's a lot of great ones. They, you know, they they had to come over here uh, from a communist country. They had to escape and come over here. And a lot of times they didn't even have records proper records while they escaped, you know, to come here to have a better life and a chance to, in this case, win a world title with Drew Guns did. So who knows if he's even older than 37? I don't know. But um, what I want to throw in there before I go into detail, that also before we came on, I became aware that, uh, and, and we like to give everything to the fans when we, you know, we forget sometimes, we mess up, but we try not to. Uh, Otto Wallen, we've talked about him before. He's the heavyweight that fought, his only loss really is a decision loss to Tyson Fury. Um, He fought him really tough. Uh, So he kind of disappeared. And he, um, he disappeared the scene, from the scene, became irrelevant, but now he just reappeared and made himself relative again by winning a decision over the weekend in Turkey. I don't believe it was on any TV, at least not over here, but uh, I made some phone calls about it and, you know, got some information on it and saw what was written about it, but uh, obviously I'm familiar with the kind of fighter he's... a You know, he's a big guy, not a big puncher, but fundamentally really solid. Joey Gamache is a trainer, former lightweight champ, does a good job crossing the T's, dotting the I's, uh, making him fundamental. he's getting the most out of being fundamentally technically solid without having one area where, wow, he's fast, wow, he's a puncher. He doesn't have that, but he has the other, the things I just described, and that's enough in the heavyweight division to win. Sometimes, who knows how far you can go. But um, he made himself relative by winning the decision in Turkey on Saturday over uh, Murat Gassiev, the former cruiserweight uh, champion who's now campaigning at heavyweight. So I just wanted to put that out there. Wallen just made himself a player in the heavyweight scene. And... um, my son knew he was fighting. My son, my son had mentioned it, and funny thing, uh, maybe we should do some quick handicapping tips for some of the undercard fights too, so people maybe get a couple extra shillings for the holiday shopping coming up. And you know, I'm kidding. We're not always right, but sometimes those undercard fights, you get you get odds where you can kind of, you can have a shot to, to to do a little something with the odds and my son did a little something he uh he went to my bookie and he made two, he doesn't really usually bet, he don't bet much but every once in a while if it's something that I think makes sense or he thinks from boxing so he went made a, two small bets wages with uh, great odds on Barrios and Otto Whalen and um I, I had figured Barrios had a good chance to win if he didn't get hurt by the naturally big Ugas. Uh, because Ugas is a counter puncher. And he's getting old, obviously. And he looked old, obviously. Um, But Ugas was always a guy that you could outwork. He he punches pretty good with the right hand, but you could outwork him if you knew how to do it. He He likes, as I said, to counter... He's not consistent offensively. He takes breaks uh, at times offensively. Ugas and Barrios is a busy fighter. Period. Uh, his punch numbers are always high, and he's got a long jab. And I just figured that if he kept the strong Ugas, because Barrios was moving has moved up in weight, I just figured if he kept the strong Ugas on the outside with that jab. He could pick spots with his right hand and look to counter when Ugas came forward and also could use his legs to keep Ugas from being set. That's exactly what he did. Exactly what he did. And if he could do that consistently without getting hurt, I, I, he, he'd have, and he did have a good chance to win. Um, what Barrios did, he, he had a great fight plan. He executed it beautifully his corner, again, they came prepared. Usually the corner that I'm giving the most credit to, Ken, in this business is the corner usually, because I think they deserve it consistently. Uh, the, the corner of, um, I'm, I'm freezing in my brain right now, of, um, I think he's the best fighter in boxing. Him and way, I think uh, 1 and 1A one as far as pound for pound the best fighters right now. Uh, Crawford. Yeah. So Terrence Crawford, he, his corner always has him ready. Always. Not physically and mentally only, but technically with the right fight plan. He has himself ready. But they do a good job. I thought Barrios people, and like I said, I thought that uh, earlier I said, I, I thought that... um. I thought Lupin's team did a good job, but I thought Barrios' team did a great job, giving him a fight plan. Barrios executed it beautifully, and he made the old Ugas look, you know, look shop one, and um, and old, uh, which was also a reason to take Barrios, uh, you know, if if you were looking for a little wager, because as I said, he. He's been around a long time. A lot of wear and tear on him. Uh, you know, with with all the amateur fights, everything else. So Barry was a champ. It shut the right eye of Ugas. Uh, Ugas wound up taking a... The, the first half of the fight was really competitive. It was a good fight. And Ugas was trying to hurt him with right-hand counters. Came close. But after the... I don't know what round it was, Ken... But at some point, maybe the 6th, 7th, whatever it was, all of a sudden it became, it went from a competitive fight to started becoming a beatdown where Barrios' Jam shut the right eye of Ugas. Uh, he, he just dominated the rest of the fight. And Ugas took a bad beating from the midway point of the fight all the way on, uh, you know, and like I said, it was competitive up to that point, but um, Barry was just dominated. Uh, Megan Uga's really almost become old right in front of you. Uh, the fight I thought could have and maybe should have. What did you think? I thought it could have and should have been stopped earlier. Um, did you have that feeling? I mean,
0: yeah, uh, the guy was getting—he was getting beat up, and his eye was a mess, and his eyes been damaged before you would hope. And Hope that the ref understands all the uh, yeah. external parameters, and yeah, I didn't see the I didn't see the point, and he he showed no signs of being able to win this fight at any point. Great, great. So even if he was a big puncher and had a puncher's chance, I didn't see him great, landing great. anything even close to something that could end the fight. I put him out of his misery, and you know he's an older fighter; it's probably the end of the road. So I would think the ref would be in tune with all these things and probably show some mercy.
1: Yeah, uh, to that point, Ken. That probably was, it shouldn't be that the referee should just be looking at what he's looking at. And is he getting hurt? Is he, you know, and whether make a decision off of that. Um, mm-hmm. But you could see off of your point where the corner was probably thinking, you know, hope against hope, that Uga still had a chance to land the right hand. Because he kept trying to land it, even you know, even when it was his eye was closed, he kept trying to land that kind of right hand. Then he started leading with it, but he kept, and he got desperate with it. But he kept. Trying. The problem is when you're in that kind of situation, you're getting, you're getting starting to get dominated, and then you go all out, you know, trying to do what you have to do, which is go out on your shield and, you know, try to find a way to catch him with something to pull it out of the fire. You usually go out on your shield because what happens is you make yourself more available, you open yourself up more now, and you walk into more punches or cleaner punches, and that's exactly what happened. Beautiful counter of left hook, beautiful. Oh, bang. Dropped Ugas. Um, you know, the hope for landing a punch was gone uh, because, like I said, at that point, the harder that Ugas tried, the more beat up he got. And um and then when he didn't, when he just covered up, he got beat up even more. So I at the end of the day, you have to seriously think about Ugas who's had a terrific career. Um you have you have to think about where's he go? Do you let him fight anymore? I, I don't think so. But that Obviously, that's a decision they have to make. Barrios looked very good. Um, and like I already said, Uglers look like, at the very least, they should contemplate retirement. Um, you know what this made me think of? What's that? Ken, it was a reminder for all of us of just how damn good Devontae Davis is. He knocked out Barrios. I mean... Yeah, uh, who, who's a former world champion? And is all right, Barrios. Now he's got this interim title, whatever it is. You know, they. Do you want a title, Ken? Do you want somebody uh, while you while you're waiting for your room to be done? Do you 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 wanna uh, while while you're waiting for the chambermaids to come in and fix your room over there in Boston where you're staying for business? Um, uh, want me to have somebody? I won't have I won't have them send you. You know, like a a a basket of fruit. I have them send you. A belt. yeah, you, you wanna well really, because two. Uh, all right, we'll we'll get a couple for your kids too. Um, <laughs> but getting back to being semi serious or very serious, um, it shows you how good Travante is. He he knocks out this really good fighter Barrios, who looked really good. He he looks like he's in the right place mentally, physically, technically with his people. He he looked good, and um. He had the right guy maybe in front of him, but he made him the right guy by doing what he did. Uh, but he knocked out Barrios. And um, who's, who's, you, we just saw how good a fighter he is. So I would love, I'll finish with this. I love to see guys get tested. You know, Canelo, whoever, whatever. He got tested with Beaver, he lost. Um, he got tested with Mayweather, he lost. He got tested with Lara, I thought he got a gift. Close fight. He got tested with Golovkin. I thought he lost the first two fights. Definitely the first one. I thought he lost the second one. Whatever. Whatever. But. There's an, there's. I'd like to see guys get tested before. We just labeled them great. Great! i just like to see them get tested a little bit. Really. And. I would love to see. We're not going to see it. They got different promoters. Whatever. But. I would love to see Javante Davis fight that. What's his name? Um, Stevenson, uh, Shakur Stevenson, who's undefeated, yeah. who has very talented, undefeated, but he hasn't been tested yet. And who's going to test him? It's going to take a really good fighter, smart fighter, fighter that can, a, a fighter that's really smart, and a, a fighter that probably has a little dynamite in his gloves, but the dynamite means nothing against Stevenson. If you don't have a way, a delivery system to get it to the target, because he's, he's a good defensive fighter, he's a very, very, very difficult style to fight. Very. And a lot of guys don't want to fight him because you're not going to get paid a lot. A lot of people don't even know about him still, uh, other than the boxing crowd. And the outside, they don't know him too. He don't make exciting fights, but he wins and he makes you look bad. So that's not a good combination to get rich. Uh, how many guys are going to knock on your door? Hey, let me fight the guy who's hard to hit, who's really fast, who's really talented, who has a style that you know doesn't take too many chances, and he makes you look bad. Can I get a fight with him, please? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you're going to get too many you know, people knocking at the door uh, trying to make a fight, uh, trying to get you. Uh with that. But having said that, it would take a real good fight, as I just said, that goes to the body, has a good jab, a good IQ, real calm in an uncommon environment. It would take a guy who could time you going backwards, a guy who could figure it out on the fly. That's Javante Davis. Yeah, he can punch, but he could fight. Man, he's dimensional. Man, he can fight. Oh my! And he's smart inside. He does stupid things outside. He's smart inside. That's all I can tell you. I'm not in this business. I don't know more about him. But I, I am in this business, and I know Canelo got mad. Oh, Teddy, don't know nothing. No, why? Because I didn't. Uh, I guarantee you one thing: my IQ of what I know and don't know would have went way up if I said Canelo was the greatest of all time. Oh, he's smart man, <laughs> smart man, very smart, very smart man, very smart man. That that guy, very smart. But anyway, Javante, man, I would like to see that, and then and then if Stevenson passed that. I'd say, okay, he's more than a pretty boy. He's more than just a talented guy. He's more than just a fast guy. He's more than a guy with a bad style, difficult style to fight. A guy, you come in six inches, he goes back nine and, and looks to count of the crap out of you. And he don't take chances. If, if I... But he wins. But if he got past Javante, and he's bigger than Javante. He's the bigger guy than Javante. Javante would have to move up in weight. Or he'd have to come down. I don't know. Oh, no. No, they're this, are they the same weight right now? Maybe they're the same weight. I don't know, Ken. Are they both lightweights? Because Javante, to me, I keep thinking he's Junior Welter. Or he's moving... Uh, not Javante, um, Stevenson. I keep thinking he's... Because he's so young. And he's big. And, and I just figured he's he's going to grow into Junior Welter if he didn't already. And he's going to maybe even grow into Welter. Because he could, because he's got the cleverness, the skill sets to move up in weight and the structure physically. He's young. He's still growing. Are they both lightweights? I don't, or is he junior? I'm just
0: confirming kid? here. One sec.
1: Because I would love to see. Either way, they're not far off the weight. That fight could be made, except they're, they're not going to fight him because they were different promoters.
0: They're both in the same... Uh, they're both in the in the lightweight rankings up to uh, 135. Um, they got Javante. ESPN has Javante at number three, Shakura at number uh, four, with uh, Haney at one and Vasily Lomachenko at two. So, yeah, they're both in 135. It would make perfect sense that they should fight each other, but I think the chances of that happen are slim and none.
1: I think Stevenson's eventually going to move up because of what I just said. Yeah. But I just would... I really, that's a lot of people be surprised I'm calling for that fight because, you know, you want to see the, you want to see the slugfest, you want to see the one that's going to be nothing but explosions. I get it, but this would be really interesting to see if you could get an explosion, or to see if Shakur is that good, that he could keep Javante from detonating the bomb, that that he could be the bomb squad that he can yeah. actually, you know, disarm the bomb. That would be intriguing for me. That would be intriguing to discover that, to watch that, to see that. Yeah. And you know what it would do for for me, at least, what it would do for Shakur Stevenson? The same thing that Sugar Ray uh, Leonard, who's I think one of the greatest fighters of all time, that Sugar Ray Leonard fighting Duran the first time did for him. Yeah, he lost, but it brought him more accolades, more respect than, than, than any of his wins up to that point. Because he was yeah. thought of as a talented guy, gold medalist for the Olympics, fast, could punch, uh, good looking, smart, everything, everything. But the fans didn't buy into him completely yet. They didn't trust him yet. Does he have that it factor? When the push comes to shove, will he go get it? Will he find a way? Will he behave like a champion? Not just box like one. And he sure as hell proved that he would when he fought Duran. Yes, he lost, but he won. He won in that regard. He won in the regard where he got more respect than ever before. And it made him a better fighter too. What he learned about himself... Uh, what he did f- after that, he fought Hearns after that. He don't win that fight with Hearns. He don't win that fight with Hearns after that if he doesn't have that fight to bolster him, to develop him, to make him better m- and with inside himself too. So anyway, that that's part of my wish list that I would like to see. I think we covered all this stuff. Um, to all the Canelo fans out there, congratulations. Congratulations. Um, your, your hero your hero one uh you know be safe god bless you don't party too much you know if you want if you want some balloons for a good price for uh i uh, I'll send them to you i I won't even charge you i w- <laughs> I, I won't even charge you uh, just tell me where to send them
0: you mentioned that I was in Boston so you know I've got my a g one travel packs with me. And if you take AG1 or if you don't take AG one, please go to athleticgreens.com/slash Atlas and we'll send they'll send you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. The travel packs go everywhere with me. That's the all-in-one green drink made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. Make sure you're taking care of your body's health and immunity with AG1 Athletic Greens every day, athleticgreens.com slash atlas to take advantage of the 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. What do you got, Teddy, before we say goodbye? Anything?
1: Goodbye. And um, (laughs) to all the real champions out there, you're the champions. You're the real champions out there. All the fathers, the mothers, the uncles, the grandparents, you know, all of us, you, you, out there in Boston, doing what you got to do to take care of your family. The people who're gonna get up at five in the morning, ungodly hours, they don't feel like doing it in the morning. They're not gonna make millions of dollars. They're not gonna get one of these things, uh, by doing it. But, but they're gonna go out there and they're gonna take care of their family. They're gonna go out there and they're gonna, they're gonna do what a man, what a person, whether it's a man or a woman. Is supposed to do, which is to live their life to fullest, to not make excuses, to again take care of their responsibilities, their families. So, um, those those are the those are the champions. All of you, the you're you're the champions. You you really are. Um, like I said, you you might never have a chance to. Be rich like some of these fighters we talk about, but never forget this. You're already rich. You don't need this. All you need is the knowledge that you're doing what you're supposed to do, or whatever it is that you have. You're doing the best to your ability to be the best person, the best father, the best human being you can be, or the best friend the best son, the best daughter, whatever it is. Keep doing it. Keep fighting the fight. Keep fighting your fight. God bless you.
0: God bless. See you next week. Thanks for being with us.